Welcome to another Mother Runner. I'm Sarah Bowen Shea. And I am Dimity, back in my home state of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Giving it up live with the Twin City Mother Runners. We're super excited to be at the Twin Cities 10 Mile and Marathon going on tomorrow, right? We sure are excited. And I'm also so excited that you all cheered slash clapped because I was listening to a live podcast recently. I'm like, oh, we don't get many claps. We don't get many applause. So thank you for doing that without me even asking. So, so Minnesota nice of you. <laughs> so, yeah, so how does it feel to come back, you know, and, and be, you know, well, you're not staying in a hotel. You're staying I'm with staying Joe. with my friend Joe, who has two dogs, and they are, one is my roommate, Mac. He's like a little hockey puck on the bed. I love that. So hockey, Minnesota. I was talking to a couple run, mother runners. We did a shakeout run this morning from Cafe Bene in St. Paul. We ran up Summit down to the river, saw the, the, the hardest part of the 10 mile course is a little hump of a hill up. Mm-hmm. You appreciate um, the architecture on summit. Did you? Um, Tim? I was chatting, so oh. no. <laughs> um, but I just said landing in the Minneapolis St. Paul airport. I just, I just feel grounded still. I have to say there's just something about it that just, it always coming home is always such just a lovely feeling. And even though I haven't lived here since I was, you know, 18, so almost 30 years, uh-huh. it's just something about the airport and memories and seeing my, like, I remember going home and seeing my mom after college, her waiting at the baggage claim for me, just lots of stuff comes flooding back and it's just all good because it's all in my, you know, it all feels good and, you know, yeah. in, the, in the rear view mirror, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the first time I ever came to this area was for your wedding. In June of 2000. Yes, and didn't even get to spend any time in the cities themselves. The cities. How about me using that term? (laughs) Uh, Sounding like a local. Um, Yes, so so we were in the suburbs. We were were out by Ridgedale. Yeah. And I just... (laughs) Our hotel was by Ridgedale. Yeah, Yeah. it was like a Hampton Inn or something. And uh, uh, so we were with uh, our friends Megan and Michael. uh, And... So I remember we wanted to go out to lunch. And so we didn't, I don't think we had rental cars or something. So we wanted to be able to walk somewhere. And we asked the concierge and um, we said, uh, you know, um, where do you suggest? And he was like, well, there's a Red Robin nearby. And Michael no, goes. No, 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 no. Red oh, Robin. I think it was Applebee's. Chili's. Applebee's. Apple, yeah, Applebee's. Say Red Robin hasn't made it out yeah, here Yeah. Okay. So, so it was, so he said Applebee's and Michael said, well, what's an Applebee's? And he goes, what are you, not from America? <laughs> <laughs> so well, and it's so funny because Applebee's like at the Ridgedale Mall was like our like Friday night hangout right like or the other place that we went um which I drove with Joe was like Hennepin Avenue like that was like we are going downtown like Macklemore <laughs> right like and I'm like this is like I, you know things can happen down here you really got to stay on top of it um, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's nice to be back have you had a chance to run here at all I have I ran about five and a half miles along the Mississippi the mighty Mississippi um which made me think of my dad because he loved he grew up in the south and so the you know start of it up here and so but um i was tim i didn't tell you this i was debating i I just love the course so much and it's so beautiful and so i thought oh i want to go out to you know um the lakes and start around mile six or seven so i looked it up and first looked on i got the um is it move it the app for the public transportation Uh, because i I also debated using a limes bike 
or because I figured it was too a lime, far, lime a li- not limes. That sounds like Lyme's disease. Oh, um, they, I think it is. Well, oh, maybe it's Lime Five or something. They're definitely on the. It's a, oh. the brand of this, the type of the scooter. So a Lime bike, and because I thought it'd be too far, I also don't approve of those scooters, so I didn't want to go on a scooter. And so the, it would take. I don't know, take a really long time. So then I looked it up on Lyft. It was going to be almost twenty five dollars each way. And I'm like, nope, that's not going to float. Okay, with so that's the like ten dollars a mile we're looking at. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. So um, I don't know if our, uh, our yeah. financial department, right, I, me, would right. approve of that. Right. So, so yeah, I vetoed that without any, uh, you know, corresponding with you. So yeah, so I just ran along there. So I don't know. I'm, it makes me want to come back next year and do at least the ten miler. Ten mile just, is a great race. Yeah, and, and the marathon. We have met so many people who are doing their first marathon tomorrow, which is so fun. You picked such a fun race. The ten mile shortcut to the capital is I mean I love it that as soon as you hit double digits you are done with a capital D <laughs> so it's just uh, both distances are just it's the perfect time to do it. and tomorrow it's going to be like literally like a temperature swing of five degrees between 47 and 52 which is um just runner nirvana yeah yep yep awesome so we'll, um, all, all this marathon goodness, we have a local Minnesota gal. We have Gabrielle Gabe Grunewald. Uh, she was born here and competed for the University of Minnesota. Gabe is now a professional middle distance runner who competes in distances from 800 meters, that's twice around the track, to 5,000 meters, which I can't do the math. Uh, she was the national champion in the 3,000 meters at the 2014 U.S. Indoor Track and Field Championships. Gabe has survived multiple bouts with cancer, initially initially diagnosed with a rare salivary gland cancer in 2009 and thyroid cancer in 2010. Gabe experienced recurrences of adenoid cystic carcinoma in 2016 and last year. Gabe has her sights set on the 2020 Olympics. She lives and trains here in the Twin Cities, and she is sponsored by Brooks, one of the backers of this fantastic race that we are at. Dimity and I will talk with Gabe after this quick break. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us, Gabe. Yeah, we are super excited to have a Minnesota native, um, and we had Kara Goucher on a live podcast a couple weeks ago, cool. who is also a Minnesota native, and she was talking about how sometimes she feels like she doesn't belong um, in the in that running world because she's like, you know, I ate spam for more, before races and like goulash before races. That's not what big races do. So we got to know, do you have a little Minnesota flavor to your pre-race meals? Oh gosh, nothing quite that intense. I don't know. I don't think that there's a Minnesota flavor no. to my pre-race routines, yeah. but okay. I do love a good hot dish. So that's what I can contribute. Kara to. used that term, but while Dimity was talking, I'm like, she used that word that means like casserole, but I don't know the slang for yeah. it. <laughs> yes. I do love a good tater tot hot dish. A good tater tot yeah. hot dish. So yeah. you, <laughs> that deserves a round of applause. Um, okay, so um, tell us about how you got started in running. Were you running, you know, I saw a picture of you on your Instagram in the pumpkin patch. Did you run through the Minnesota pumpkin patches? Like, where, <laughs> where did you start running, Gabe? I started running, um, I tried a lot of different sports growing up. I grew up in a small town in Lakes Country in Minnesota called Perm, and I did a lot of different sports. I was always running around to some different activity. I have uh, quite a few siblings, and everyone played basketball growing up, so I, I did that all through high school. But Wait, I, how, how many is quite a few? I have four. Okay. Yeah. And a so, set of twins in there, right? Yep, a set of twins at the end there. So, yes. Um, so, lots of activities always going on, and so... Um, but running wasn't, my parents weren't runners. They, my dad was the one who was usually encouraging us to get out there and 
try new things. So I tried golf. I tried volleyball. I can't think of, there's not too many sports I didn't attempt. We weren't, uh, we didn't have like soccer or hockey really in our town, which is a little strange. The hockey part is probably strange because you would have just had to travel to be able to do that. So I stuck with things that were available nearby, but I basically just happened upon running because a friend of mine was going to cross country practice and sounded like fun to me. That's the kind of kid that I was. I just wanted to like have fun and, you know, hang out with my friends. And I, I loved it though, from the very beginning, I think cross country was definitely the, that was the first, um, you know, I ended up being becoming a more of a track runner, but cross country was definitely my first first love with running. Well, and you made the varsity as a seventh grader, correct? I think eighth actually. Oh, okay. So I wasn't quite. Yeah, I mean, Carrie and Kara were like winning state titles in seventh grade. I was like, I t- it took me till like eighth grade and. <laughs> <laughs> So behind the curve. No, I wasn't even winning state titles. I was just, you know, trying to run varsity. So I wasn't quite at that level. But I had a great time. And, uh, yeah, I had a great high school career. But not not as storied as some others in Minnesota history. Mm. The the typical Midwestern modesty. That's what I see you showcasing. (laughs) No, I'm serious. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so we definitely want to uh, get you talking about yourself. But first, I want to harken back to a topic that I um, promised that we would visit at all our live recordings. And then I, after Alaska, I completely spaced on it. So, um, so here goes, tell us what you love about running here. Um, the, I think the twin cities is a divine place to run in the fall. Yeah. So talk about why you love to run here year round. Yeah, I do. I do love the twin cities running community. I think that it's really special. You can go out, um, any day of the year and just see so many runners out there. We have very dedicated and ambitious running community. And I think twin cities in motion helps with that a lot there's so many great races there's always a great race to train for and I think for me I do love the change of seasons in Minnesota uh I've trained year-round here very frequently the winter is challenging however I would say fall is my favorite time to run here I I love running along bodies of water um coming from someone who grew up around lakes so I I love being able to run along the lakes I do probably run along the river the most. Um, I live by the Mississippi River, so I just think that it's great. We have a uh, very extensive trail system with the bike paths, and I have no problem running on a bike path. So I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to love about it. Sure. <laughs> the winter is tough, though, but it, it helps get that mental strength going. Well, and do you have an indoor track you can hit in the wintertime? Yes. The University of Minnesota has an, an indoor track that I use, and I definitely get in there several times in the winter uh, this winter I'm probably gonna gonna take a little trip uh for that last of couple of weeks just to escape a little longer because I've sure. been having some trouble with injuries in the winter just um with the slipping and combined sure. with the indoor track the turns are quite tight in there and I'm getting a little older, so <laughs> trying to be kind to, to myself. So are you going to head to Florida with the senior citizens and the blue paint Maybe, special? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just definitely. Kidding. Well, and so you are you are middle distance track runner, correct? Yes. And so kind of talk about where that kind of lies between, obviously it's, it lies between like sprinting and something like endurance. Like it feels like a tough middle ground, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the mile, the 1500 is kind of like the, the perfect space where – speed and endurance meet and it's not you know usually if you're trying to run your fastest you're not running slow at all in any point of the race and you're really just trying to find that 
that you know staying on that red line to run your to run your perfect race and I just love I've loved training for the mile over the years I think it's been really fun because I can do the longer long runs the like 15 mile 16 mile runs that I need to do in my training so I get that longer a little bit of that longer distance running in but I also get to do like 100 meter hill sprints and go to the track and do fast 200s and put on spikes so I really like the variety that you can get when you're training for those middle distances so I I like it I'm biased but it's a fun race to train (laughs) for (laughs) so for the casual mother runner who's running on the road not the track would you say the 10K is sort of the equivalent because it's, you know, not all out like the 5K and not yeah. more of an endurance thing? I think so. I think the 10K would be a good, yeah, a good mm-hmm. like middle ground for a middle distance. If you're someone who's run marathons and wants to get a little speed work in, I think that's definitely the mm-hmm. 10K mm-hmm. for sure. All right. So, um, so again, like I don't think many of us hit the track or if we do, it's with like this kind of like patina of speed work where you're like, ugh, I'm going to the track. Right. So first of all, I want you to talk about why you like running track. And then second of all, tell us a little bit about why the training, um, what, what, what a training week looks like for you. Yeah. Well, what I, I, yeah, there's so many things that I've enjoyed about running on the track. I think I do get to mix it up a little bit on the roads here and there, um, but I I definitely have been a better track runner over the years. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But I think my favorite thing about it is just like there's a special intensity that's on the track and just, um, you know, unlike on the roads, the packs are often tight. And I like that you always have that you know, you have markers every hundred meters or maybe even more frequently. So you really know when the race is winding up and you, you know, you're not, you don't have those like necessarily in a road race where you're like giving yourself those cues, but they're really, they're on the track. They're in the race. So for me, like coming down, I mean, on the bell lap and hearing the bell, like there's nothing quite like that feeling. It's just really, I think it's just fun. And also another special thing about the track that I like also part of the last lap is like coming off that final bend. That's like when I know like this, this is my time. If I'm passing anybody, like I try, you got to get that momentum off that curve and that's what you got to do. So that there's so many things to love about the track, but there's a special intensity out there and I love spiking up and it's just, uh, I don't know. I've had a lot of fun with it. Spiking up, man. The main's getting dressed. Spiking up, putting on the spikes. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you know it. Um, and then what is it? Uh, my training week? That was the second well, one. Well, exactly. But okay, but I, this is a sidebar, but I okay. just want to know <laughs> because I've always, I, I love watching track, right? Yeah. I really love watching it in the Olympics and at the world championships and stuff when it comes on TV. Um, when you are in a pack, do you feel a difference like with the draft? Yeah, you definitely. do. Yeah. Yes. And what does that feel? I mean, does it because you guys just look like you're running so close together and yeah. so tightly like is it <laughs> is it fun or is it nerve wracking? It's both uh-huh. like most things about running. Like <laughs> it can be, it's, you know, between which race you're doing, if it's a, like a mile or a versus a 5k, I think you can find a little bit of relaxation in the pack and getting in a pace line for in the 5k in the mile. It's just uh there's, it's a little more, um, nervous energy I would say in the pack just because at any moment someone's trying to make a move and yeah that's another thing about racing on the track is like the 800 you really don't have much you know there's not much time to recover from like a big mistake you know if you went out too slow or too fast but in the mile you can probably recover from like one to maybe two like strategic errors and then in the 5k you have more space so it's like you can 
the longer your race is, the more time you have to like make up for something that might've gone wrong. And I think the, the nervous energy in the pack in each of those races sort of reflects that. So it's very, you know, people are very intense in the 800 because every move you make, you take a wrong step, you know, people fall in track races all the Mm -hmm. time. And there's a reason for that. It's close quarters out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, your average training week. Yeah. Well, it has been very variable lately, but I would say like in like an ideal healthy training week for me has been like mileage wise, I would usually try to hit somewhere between 65 and 75 in peak training, which is a lot. But lately, I mean, I I try to shoot in my like winter training when I'm doing a little bit more mileage first, like 65 to 70 miles that comes down considerably when I'm racing, Mm -hmm. but then it's usually two of those runs a week will be a hard session. Something like it would be maybe Monday we would do mile repeats or thousands or even 800s a little bit later in the year. But thousands is something I do frequently miles more so in the winter. And then Thursdays would be something faster. Probably in the fall, it's probably hill sprints like 20 to 24 hundred meter hill sprints. Where you All so, right then. Yeah, let's go. You know, but like, we, yeah, totally. So we build up from like eight and then 12 and then 16 and all of a sudden you're running a couple miles uphill as fast as you can. And then a long run. Yeah. Yeah. And who is we, do you train, who do you train with? So Dennis Barker is my coach. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, I'm kind of referring to him and then I train with my husband frequently. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a really good relationship (laughs) you guys have. I mean, because I, you know, um, I, I know I have a lot of friends who are like, I could not work with my spouse. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. how people, spouses work together and totally. running can be such an emotional thing. I mean, yeah. obviously it's more of a, it's, it's a profession for you, but do you guys, um, like what's the rapport between you guys during a run? Usually it's good. Usually it goes well. I'd say like 95% of the time it's a good working relationship out there. He just really is, um, you know, he's a selfless guy. He wants to help me run my best and reach my goals as particularly with the challenges that I've had over the past couple of years. So he has been very helpful. He's also been, uh, he's a great runner himself, but has been in medical training for the last several years, like a few, five to eight years. So he, he ran the Olympic trials marathon in 2012. Uh So he's a, he is a great runner, but there were a few years after that where he was concentrating on becoming a doctor and doing all that training. So he couldn't quite do his own running. So I think training with me was a way for him to stay connected with the sport and try to help me reach my goals and just a way for us to also spend time together because he wanted to run every day anyway. So it's like, if I, so we would run the evening a lot cause we're not really, we're not huge morning people. Um, <laughs> but it's like, if he were, it was just like, if my run was already done when he was done with work, then he would go run and then we would see each other even less. So it's like, it kind of just became something that we did together. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So what's a standout race memory you have? Like when I ask that question, what's the first visual memory that pops into your head? Oh, well, I think since we were just talking, I've been talking, I saw a couple high school teams this last week. So I've been thinking, I've been reflecting a lot back on being a high school runner and just some of those defining moments and how I never thought I would become a professional runner back then and how it's very, it's surprising to me that I'm still, I'm still at it here. Um, so I'd say I did have a big highlight when I was in high school. I kind of like, I was hinting at earlier, Carrie Tolleson and Kara Goucher are, you know, truly running royalty. They were so good in high school, setting records, winning multiple state state titles. I was really not on that level. I would qualify for the state meet and I was, I just really spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about how I could try to win a state title. I would get third or fourth or fifth 
fifth or I, second and I would be close but I'm my senior year I still had not won one and that was my huge goal and that was my last race of my senior year that was when I won my first state title and I still oh, feel like that right on. Was, yeah. yeah first and only and I had just decided a little bit before that race to walk on at the University of Minnesota. So it was a, it was like a little confidence boost that I needed to feel like I could run with those women here at the U. So yeah, I look back at that and I still think that was, that was one of the highlights of my, that was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> well, and um, so I read um, Tim Layden's Sports Illustrated article about you um, and you come off as such a fighter like a scrappy fighter and that do you think that's pretty <laughs> accurate would you say yeah I yeah. do I'll, yeah I think so and that's I mean that's a good so yeah describe like when you when you think of your running what do you think of like what are some adjectives that describe you as a runner oh wow that's hard um I think I'm gritty and tough and Gosh, I don't even know. That's a really difficult question. I haven't thought about it too much. A, well, but yeah, those are, those are all at that. a Division One school like yeah. is not nothing, right? right? I mean, that is pretty impressive. And then, yeah. I mean, honestly, to, to show that you, you know, you weren't the shining diamond on the team for a right. while, and then you won your state championship, and here you are. You know, you what are you thirty four now? Two, yeah, thirty two. Sorry, I didn't mean nope. to age you. Sorry, sorry. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, a decade later, still making your living as a professional runner. I mean, that yeah. is really. I think that gives a lot of people hope because I totally. feel like sometimes you feel like you you are identified, especially now in youth sports, you're identified in sixth grade, and if you're not on that track, then right. you're, then forget it. Like, yeah. what are you thinking? You know, totally. and so I love that it's your grit and your toughness yeah. that have brought you to where you are today in many respects and we'll yeah. talk about that in a little bit but cool. that's very cool yeah that's a, been a progression for me and high school was a progression and as was college and that's just sort of the story of my running so I do like to share that with others who aren't necessarily where they want to be like it takes time but you can improve over years for sure mm -hmm. yeah so all right let's um switch gears a little bit so take us back to uh 2009 when you were you were just 22 when you got your first cancer diagnosis and the very next day you ran a personal best in the 1500. Mm -hmm. So mighty badass of you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely an interesting year. That was my, I was a fifth year running for the team here and I was in graduate school. So yeah, my cancer diagnosis really came as a surprise to me because I felt like I felt very normal. I was in the best shape of my life. The, I had a very small tumor on my neck and it wasn't causing any, symptoms I just felt it and it didn't go away and we looked into it and that's what it was so I do think that it was yeah it definitely came out of left field I had very little experience with any cancer like in my life at that time I didn't really have anyone uh, close to me who had gone through it so I really didn't know what to expect and I think maybe that you know I was naive and maybe that was good for me back then but I think I was very lucky to have sort of get have that diagnosis when I was still a part of the team because I had a lot of support. And even on that day that I was diagnosed, my, my coach was there and my teammates were there and it was a very strange day in my life. And, but you know, my husband, my now, my husband was there with the men's team. So I did have people around me to chat with, but yeah, I think from that very first moment that I heard about the cancer, I, I didn't know what it was going to mean for the rest of my life. And I didn't necessarily even want to start thinking about that yet. <laughs> I was, so I think that was good from the very beginning. I sort of try, I, I tried to take it one day at a time and I knew my season was going to end. I had to have surgery and probably further treatment with radiation. So I knew my season was ending and 
I was honestly very bummed that it was ending because I wanted to have one last shot to finish. I had a great time running for the Gophers. We had some, I had really talented teammates and we were able to win a lot of team titles. So I was really bummed because if I hadn't not run that, that finish that season, I feel like we might've won big 10 outdoors. We've lost by just like six or fewer points. So, um, I missed that, but I was like, if I can run tomorrow and get a little bit out of this fitness that I, I had been working hard and I was excited. I, I thought it was going to be my best season and it, it probably would have been <laughs> based yeah. on that PR, but I really felt like the, the cancer diagnosis was very surprising but running was something that I was thinking about the whole time and it motivated me to I really wanted to try to get back and have another season well and you were able to do that you you yeah. had you were able to what like um what, what did you have to do like lobby the Big Ten to give you a sixth season I or how to, did it work yeah I had to basically go through the NCAA I worked with the compliance office and they had to put in an application basically to petition for a medical hardship waiver and um, a clock extension to extend my five-year clock to six years so it ended up it ended up working out I didn't find out for quite a while so I kind of had to start training and just I just had to believe that it would work out but they didn't officially get back to us until I think December of 2009 um yeah for that outdoor 2010 season so I mean I was hoping that whole time that it would work out and it fortunately did it did awesome awesome okay so so obviously you've had the cancer come back Mm -hmm. and we're sorry to hear that um how tell us now how you kind of balance your training with treatments and um yeah how how you do that yeah it's been it's been tough I think I'm still learning how to balance everything I definitely have had um I've had a tough time figuring out how to fit running in and I think the biggest challenge for me has been finding uninterrupted months of training which is so important for runners and I know how important that is so it's a it's tough because I've had you know, months of like treatments or infusions, some of which made me not feel so great. Some of which I felt fine on quite honestly, but mainly uh, lately over the last year, I guess I've had liver directed therapies that kind of, they interrupt my running for not very long, like a week, but then, um, it's kind of getting back into my training after that, where I've run into issues, which is like, I always feel like I'm behind now and I, and I am behind, (laughs) but, um, I've had a hard time, uh, just being a little bit more patient. I've been, my coach and I are really (laughs) working on it because I'll look good and then I'll try to fit in like more workouts than I should in a shorter period, which I wouldn't normally do if I didn't have these interruptions. And then I've gotten some injuries. Like I've been very, lucky to not have a ton of injuries over my career but this last year I've had two pretty big injuries one of which that I was very close to racing at the end of the summer and then I tweaked my my Achilles tendon and it's just I'm getting back into running now but I think I'm trying to take a new approach where I'm just gonna take some time to get fit and just hope that things work out in terms of treatment instead of uh, rushing into fitness and then getting injured. Because mm-hmm. even if I can't race, I do just want to be able to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, I mean that you're speaking our language, right? The, the mother runner language of that that trying to do too much and and obviously you are, are on a heightened level for this. But you know, people who are out because you know they have the flu or something and they don't want to you know oh they missed three weeks of marathon training and then oh. they jump back in and get injured. So and then um i know a lot of women listening can relate to to you know having a cancer diagnosis and trying to continue running and fitting that all in so um 
Do you have any advice for people who, who are listening, who might be going through cancer treatments that, yeah. or have friends that, you know, best running friend that is? Definitely. I, I mean, it's hard to face that diagnosis at any stage in your life, but I do think that the one thing that has been a constant for me that has helped me has been running and staying as physically active as it can be throughout my treatments. There are going to be days when resting and recovering is absolutely the priority, but um, I do think that a lot of people are going to be able to recover from their surgery. They may have more treatment coming, um, but being physically active, even if it's not running, is really important. It will boost your mood and putting some goals on the calendar is always a good idea when you're moving through something as serious as a cancer diagnosis and having those, continuing to have those goals is really important. I think it's easy to, you know, not be not be sure if you want to continue and it's definitely a bummer if you had bigger goals and now they seem smaller but I do think even just having them is really important and helps to keep moving forward and have that positive attitude um but yeah I think there the more research is emerging that physical activity is going to help cancer survivors and patients to tolerate their treatments and help fight some of those tough side effects. So I just try to encourage people. I mean, everyone is going to be a little bit different in where they're at. Cancer treatments are different. Types of cancer are also different. So, you know, there's so, there's a good fit for probably everyone. It's going to be less for some people. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't like to say like, yeah, everyone just train for marathon while you are on treatment. <laughs> no big deal. Some people might be able to, but I don't think, you know, it's not a one size fits all type of yeah. situation. So, but I do think anything that you can do to get outside, get some fresh air and continue to have goals um, for yourself and your body is very important. Yeah, when I um, I was on your website um, or your foundation website, I should say, Brave Like Gabe, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I was really impressed because you have this laundry list of how physical exercise helps cancer with some research backing it up. Mm -hmm. And I just, I sometimes think um, that people... uh, forget, especially when you get, you know, spiraling down and I've never been in that place. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I have, but I just think sometimes you forget that even like a two mile walk outside in fresh air under the sunshine is going to make a difference in your mood, you know, and that is, that is so important in so many aspects of our life, whether you're suffering from an illness or not. And so I really applaud you for pushing that because I think that's probably not exactly what the medical profession always pushes right. you know yeah I think it's getting they're getting better about it but um definitely when I was first diagnosed yeah it definitely wasn't something I talked about with my doctors yeah totally so would you just then do it with that I mean you wouldn't tell them what you were doing or I, I don't think they were worried about that aspect for me um but yeah I mean I told them what I was doing they knew I was a runner and I don't I wasn't doing anything that I think was against medical advice but I mean I was a I little like bit sneaking into the track at like 12 midnight I'm yeah. gonna do 800s no matter what right I, if anything I think that they were they were overly cautious about what I would be capable of and and that's their job I understand they want to make sure that you're feeling good and that you're taking care of yourself and you know, getting the nutrition you need. They were, yeah, but I, I still think I could have the summer that I had radiation treatment. I, they were basically like, ah, oh, we don't think you should run. And I look back on that and I think I could have run a little bit. I could have run a little bit more and it probably would have been good for me, <laughs> but it all worked out. It's no big deal. Um, so in 2012, you finished heartbreakingly one spot away from getting to compete at the London Olympics in the 1500 meters. So how did you recover from what must have been a great disappointment because you rocked the 3,000 meters at the U.S. Indoor National Championships less than two years later? 
Yeah, that's a great question. 2012 was a, it was a great year for me. So when people, it is heartbreaking to finish fourth, but I look back at that and I had to, I improved a lot from 2009, like I think. So yeah, that was the year I got diagnosed with cancer and I, my PR was 424 and then I ran 422 that day after my diagnosis. And then to make the Olympics, you need to run between, you know, most of the four minutes or under is basically what all of those women's PRs who beat me in 2012 had run. So, I mean, I had improved so much from 2009 to 2012 that, I mean, it was a huge disappointment. <laughs> Looking back, I just, you know, I wonder if I could have done a little a few things differently to somehow crack into that top three. But the truth is that American middle distance running has been very competitive um, on the national level. And they're, you know, we have some of the best women in the world, you know, running for the U.S. So I think for me, I was disappointed, but I looked at it more as a building block and I, w- I did not have like the Olympics on my radar in 2010. Maybe if I did, I mean, of course I didn't. I was like coming off of cancer and I felt like I was like already winning my my personal life Olympics. So I wasn't really even thinking about that. But um, I do look back and wonder if I like, it's so hard because maybe if I would have dreamed a little bigger or thought and seen myself and visualized that happening, maybe it could have come true for me. But mainly I looked at it as a building block at that stage in my career. I was hoping to have, you know, 2016 really be like my peak as an athlete and that did not work out. So more so looking back, it's a bummer because it does seem like 2012 was probably, that was probably my best shot. 2016 trials, I was already had a cancer recurrence happening that I didn't even know about. And the trials did not go well for me in 2016, but, but 2012 was still, I still look back at it as a highlight, honestly. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I would too. Absolutely. Well, and, um, and so in 2016, I, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of more when you started to talk a little bit more about your cancer and your illnesses. Um, and can you just talk a little bit about, because you're pretty open about it now, but obviously that was a choice because there's a lot of professional athletes who are, you know, need to keep their guard up between themselves and the competitors and society at large, but where they are physically to just give themselves the advantage that they they mentally need, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, so yeah, so just talk about what it feels like to talk, sit in front of us and sit in front of, you know, be very open and honest with the media. Yeah. I mean, it's hard and you know, right from even 2009, when I was first diagnosed, I was on, you know, I was like a runner on a a division one team. It was a public sort of, it was going to be somewhat public from the very start. So I just kind of tried to get used to it and it was uncomfortable, very uncomfortable in the beginning. Um, but I felt like it still felt like the right thing to do was to talk about it. It was a little bit harder for me between like 2011 to 2016. I feel like I was just really trying to focus on my running. And so I was, I always would answer questions about my cancer, but I didn't necessarily lead with that. I was just kind of trying to be the best runner I could be. And, um, you know, I would definitely be able to talk to people who had questions about it, but I wasn't necessarily as out there with it as I currently am. But in 2016, I think, you know, my cancer took a more serious turn and I really didn't know how much I didn't, there's so much uncertainty with my running that I felt like it was important at that stage for me. I just felt like, um, it was important to just share an honest, um, kind of account of what it's like to be 30 years old and, you know, have a very serious 
rare cancer. And so that is something that I just decided was the right thing to do back then. And I think it is still hard, though. Every time I talk about it, I mean, it's like it's not the most fun thing to talk about. I would love to sit here and talk to you about like the Olympics and like how great I am at running. But um, <laughs> that's it's not my story. So I just try to embrace my own story and my own life. And it, I, it's not necessarily the triumphant running story that, you know, some of my um colleagues are experiencing but I do think it's still it's still an important account and I've just felt like there there are people out there who are going through similar things or just need some perspective maybe that I can help give them just going through something that I was very um tough to do and uh, but I'm not the only one is what I've learned and so if I can share and encourage others on their journey and inspire them and also help raise awareness and some funding for the cause like that's definitely worth it to me and and someone you know as as professional runners we feel like we're like the small sports you know you hear there's not a lot of money in running and um it's like a labor of love and it is and I think we've we know that our platforms are a little bit smaller and if you're not an Olympian you feel like it's even smaller but the reality is is that it is what you make it and a lot of the community as and the media are willing to engage with me since I have been open with it and I appreciate that so yeah, if, I just want to, I honestly, truthfully just want to help the cause. Yeah. And so that's why I'm, I talk about it. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your foundation, Brave Like Gabe. Yeah, Brave Like Gabe, that is a phrase that one of my best friends from college, she kind of came up with this as I was figuring things out in my treatment last year. There are a lot of question marks, but um, yeah, so that's where Brave Like Gabe came from. I didn't couldn't come, come up with anything better. So we'll see if that sticks. It's a lovely phrase. Yeah, but, but I mean, bravery is definitely something that I aspire toward because I do face, I have fears about my cancer and, you know, the direction that it's going with my health. And all of us face fears in our life, but it's not the absence of fears, but it's, you know, facing them and working on overcoming them and not letting them get in the way of you living your life today the best that you can so that's what brave light gave is all about ultimately what i'm trying to do though more specifically is um support rare cancer research funding because i have rare cancer there's actually quite a few rare cancers and very few of them have um like an fda approved treatment or even a specific treatment that has had any success with it and they just have had a you know they have a hard time getting funding which is i understand but um I just am trying to contribute to that, and yeah. there is definitely a, a need for that. That's um, the, that's the that. um, twelve twenty four campaign, right? Yeah, that was for the five k that I did um, in May. There's a you know five k here I did in St. Paul actually, and a virtual campaign that I ra we raised money for the Adenoid Cystic Carcinoma Research Foundation, which that's a cancer that I have, but we also raised funds just for the broad category of rare cancers. But the other aspect of Brave Like Gabe is just empowering other cancer survivors and patients through physical activity, and like you said, talking about the benefits and and how important it is to stay active. And so we're definitely working on getting that message out and just sharing with people how how they can, you know, keep moving forward and feel strong in their own life. Mm -hmm. So sort of along those lines, uh, on the Brave Like Gabe site, you write, I, you could say I run on hope. Yeah. <laughs> so can you expand on that sentiment to us? Yeah, definitely. I, I think running for me has changed so much over the last five years and even 10 years. And some days I do have a, you know, it's hard to get out of bed some days and get out there. I'm not necessarily chasing the goals that I wanted to be chasing or that I thought I would be at this time in my life. But running on hope is something that I, I hope for the future for patients like me and for all cancer patients and 
just the hope that honestly that we can all make a difference and make the world a little bit of a better place and there's also hope just represents a lot of positive things for me and I don't know we none of us know what the future holds but I'm just trying to trying to get the most out of a tough situation that I can that's yeah <laughs> thanks you are just lovely. I mean, you're sitting here smiling and laughing as you're talking to a room of people you don't know about one of the hardest things that, you know, I've ever heard about. So I just applaud you for, we all applaud oh, you for being the person you, you are and well, taking the stance that you are and putting thank yourself you. out there. So thank well, you very much. Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, do you, does anyone have any questions for her? We, can, we have time for a couple questions from the audience. Anything? Minnesota? Yeah, really anything. <laughs> Hot dish recipes? <laughs> Okay, come on up here. You got to come talk into the microphone, please. What is your pre-race meal? What do, what do you eat besides hot dish? Yeah, yes, good question. Yeah, so a lot of my races are in the evening. Some are in the morning. Um, I definitely, I'm really big into overnight oats lately. I like I like cold oats in the morning. Um, and if I'm running in the evening, I just like a some like a peanut butter toast or bagel um something with a banana i keep it really simple because i don't know we if i'm only running a mile i don't have to worry too much about all what i'm taking in beforehand as long as i just have enough calories throughout the day but i definitely um i do like overnight oats so i'm always like looking up new recipes for that do you have a, do you have a power song these days these days do i have a power song i don't know if I, that i do i like so many random songs that i don't i can't say i have I'll get back to you on that. I'll tweet okay. at you if I All think right. of it. Okay. <laughs> and what about um, Brooks is one of your sponsors? What are you loving? Like, do you have a style? Do you have a pair of shoes? Something that you, you know, like would like to tell us about that you think that every mother runner might need? Yeah. Brooks has really been, they've really been crushing it lately with new shoes and the des the footwear design team has like, I feel like done a really good job of up updating things and upgrading their shoes lately. I have been able to try some of their newer ones. I really like the Levitate 2 if anyone has tried that. Um, I know that that's an awesome shoe. I also, the Revel is like a you know, like a little bit of a cross trainer shoe that you can go to like the gym and to the mall or to coffee. And then you can also go for a run in them. So I also like the Revel. They're just cute. They're really a they're your simple mall, looking they're shoe. They're your mall walking shoes. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Mall, of mall of America. <laughs> yes, when I'm trying, exactly. When I'm trying to avoid a blizzard, go yeah, for a, go for yeah. a long walk indoors. Yeah, yeah. The Levitate, the original Levitate was the shoe they gave away last year for people cool. who ran the, yes. uh, from 20, yeah, and that um, that exceeded how many people were able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I think 60% of the field at yeah. Twin Cities last year did it. So. It's pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> I remember, yeah, that's sweet. Um, other questions? Yeah, come on up. Mm, Jinx. And Shauna, come on up and you can hang. So I'm really curious about what your easy days look like. You told us about your hard training days, but I'm doing the heart rate training. We're learning about easy effort. What do your easy days look like? Yeah, I I don't train with the heart rate monitor usually. I did maybe earlier in my career, but honestly, I my easy days can range from any, like sometimes I will double on an easy day. Like I'll do five miles in the morning, five at night, but my pace is like anywhere from, I try to get seven minutes is like what I do like that's my body just tries to run that frequently and if I 
yeah so when i'm trying to really recover i like try to slow myself down and i will wear a gps watch to do that because otherwise i just like i like to run fast <laughs> but it's not, it doesn't always help me out in the long run so yeah so yeah my training would be like sometimes i will cross train though since i have had so many injuries this year cross training has i've done way more of it than I would like to. So sometimes I'm on the elliptical or the elliptigo actually outdoors when I can, Uh or sometimes I pool run, honestly, all of these things I would much rather be running, but I'm, I'm trying to stay healthy this year. So I'm trying to embrace some of these other non-impact ways of running or getting a workout in. Shauna, you had a question. Uh, At what point is it too cold to do the various workouts in the winter and how do you dress for those? Yeah, that's a true Minnesota question. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think that it's so funny because at the beginning of every winter, I feel like my threshold for going outside is it's the temperature is higher. So it's like if it's it's five degrees or under, I'll stay inside. But then by the end of the winter, I'm like, oh, it's negative 12. I'm going out the door (laughs) done with the treadmill at that point. But it is really, I think, difficult if I'm doing kind of a, a workout, a, like a harder effort. If it's under 20 degrees, I think it's kind of tough for me to run fast in those conditions. Obviously the footing is like mm-hmm. maybe even the more important part and which makes it tougher. But if I'm trying to do something reasonably fast, I will have to go on the treadmill or on the track, honestly, but I will do my easy runs. Honestly, if the paths are cleared, I will run a negative 10. That's kind of my threshold, honestly, mm. though. <laughs> I mean, you know, the wind chill gets like worse than that. And I'm kind of like, I'm out at that point. I'm like, I'm done. I'm going on. Oh, the so it's ne- we're talking negative 10 temps, not like wind chill versus temps. I mean, yeah. as most Minnesotans will know, there's, there there's is big a big difference. difference. <laughs> yeah, it's I feel like the real temp of neg- in negative 10 is that's my limit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Did you have a question? Yep. Come on up. So I'm also living with metastatic disease. And my question for you is, how do you plan your races? Yeah. You know, because you don't know what your health is going to be. So how do you? Yeah, well, there is no plan for my races, really. Um, You know, I have like three-month windows, like most people, where I, that's, within three months, I'll have a new scan and my treatment might change. For me, I'm, I'm trying to communicate with my doctors to get a sense of what might be coming my way and the timeline I might be looking at for like changes in treatment that would affect my running. But at this point, I mean, that has honestly having a plan for racing, it has been not having a plan and that has been really hard for me. There's really no way around it. It's just trying to, I'm trying to work on being more flexible and adaptable and also just training with the hope that I'm going to get a chance to race in six months, um, rather than training for a race that's in a month and ultimately ending up injured. (laughs) Um, so it is, I think there's, there's no way around that. That is hard. And I just, I try to communicate with my, the best thing you can do is communicate with your doctors. And even though they don't know what's coming and you don't either try to get the best sense, the best guess that you can. And, train for get the training block in that you need for that because I've been trying to fit things in in shorter intervals and it's just as for runners it just doesn't quite work that way it just takes a little bit longer so yeah I'm, I'm working on that myself and I wish you the best come on up I have a 12 year old cross country runner and so I'm just wondering what advice you would have for her as a young runner and advice for me as her mom to make sure that she still enjoys it as much every day as she has the day before and she doesn't lose that love for it. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Absolutely. I think the way to like foster lifelong high school years long love of running is just to, you know, be not too focused on the results. Honestly, my mom used to say, whoever has most fun wins. And I would roll my eyes and I'd be like, that is a lie, mom. But <laughs> But I, but I, but it has stayed with me, and I do. Uh, I still, <laughs> I think, like keeping it f- light and focused on, you know. Hopefully, she has good friendships with some of the girls on the team, and I think, like, just, you know, trying to work together, like, encouraging and asking her how how her practice went. You know, is she helping other people, encouraging others, and are how are the team goals going? And I think just, you know, focusing on, you know, is she having fun out there? Is she enjoying the weather? Is she learning new things about herself that have nothing to, to do if she won or ran faster? I think, um, but I think, you know, you also can't force the love of running kind of, mm-hmm. if she wants to do it, I think she will. But I do think for me, it was very nice to have, you know, my parents didn't really, <laughs> we didn't talk too much about like how the race went until I was much older and it was very much, I was the one leading that conversation, but, um, they were just encouraging and, you know, happy to see me cross the finish line. And I appreciated that. Okay. A random aside. I'm just curious because you're young, much younger than, than we are. Um, and so my daughter is a sophomore in high school and they're really big on like, she plays volleyball, okay. volleyball. So volley buddies. So they do this big thing and they do it on swim team where you're bringing snacks and treats. Like oh, you were hooked yes. up with a teammate. Did you guys do that either at the U of M or in high school? Or I'm just curious when the genesis of this started and if it sounds like a good idea because I spent a lot of time at the dollar aisle at Target. Yeah. Trying to find stuff that is, doesn't look like junk. Yeah. But it's good, you know. Is that like for each like match? Well, it's game for home games. Okay. It's yes. mostly for home games. Yeah. No, we definitely did that in high school you did. for cross okay. for like meets in high school we would just like kind of the maybe like conference and section stuff that was bigger we would each everyone would make like a little like a fun little rhyming encouraging note like stapled to some treat i mean yeah. or like a little hair tie or a bracelet it's definitely team building and yeah, yeah i so it is a real thing so stick in the dollar aisle <laughs> i'm sorry to tell you that you have to continue to do this <laughs> All right, our last question. Very important. <laughs> okay, thanks for being here and yeah. being so open and honest with your struggle with cancer. Yeah. I've got some practical questions since you're from Minnesota. Yeah. What do you wear when it's less than zero degrees? What do you wear, like, for tomorrow's weather? And then also, okay. can you ask Brooks to work on uh, shoes that are good for running in the snow and oh, the yeah. ice? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Thank I you. will ask them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So for something like tomorrow's weather, I think, man, it's like great running weather. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be nice. So I would wear, I mean, tomorrow I would probably wear like maybe some type of capri and a t-shirt. I mean, start with a light jacket. I like to start with something and then, but tomorrow will end up around your waist or thrown to someone, I think, in Mm -hmm. 50 degrees. Like with a, you know, a decent effort of a run. So, or shorts even and compression socks. I was telling my sister is right doing her first marathon tomorrow, oh, which is exciting. exciting. My yeah. younger sister. So, um, I'm going to make her lasagna tonight. Well, I think <laughs> we'll do like Shalane's recipe or something, nice. but I told, I think she's going to wear for the race tomorrow. She's doing the full, the marathon. She's going to wear a tank shorts, compression socks. And I told her wear arm, arm sleeves. Yeah, and then she great. can throw them at yeah. us. I don't think she'll need them the whole way, but maybe in the beginning. And they're easy to tuck away, too. Yeah, and maybe, like, some gloves that you could throw away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's going to be chilly at the start. That's true. But I don't think it's going to – you won't need all that stuff the mm-hmm. whole way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it's really cold, <laughs> uh, layers are your friend. I just try to – I think it's 
so important. Honestly, like I have thermal tights. I have like very jackets that break the wind and are also warm, but I do layer like my layer that is closest to my body is always like soft and warm and like thick. And I've collected like some of the best Brooks pieces over the years for that. I tuck them away and then they come back out Mm -hmm. and then I wear them all winter long. Um, But I think the most important thing is like how you're covering your face Mm. and your hands and your feet because those extremities, everything that's ex- just the exposed skin is that's like where the trouble comes in. So I always wear like a baklava, and sometimes when I get warmer, I'll like it'll just cover my neck. But just having like a, my neck covered that mm. makes a huge difference. Um, I do wear wool socks, and I think that makes a huge difference. Sometimes, mm. in terms of shoes, sometimes I will wear like a trail shoe on the snow. I mean, they don't feel as good if you come across a paved path, obviously. Um, but I think that some of their trail shoes can work in the in the snow, honestly. But yeah, um, or just uh, what are the just get some yak tracks, mm-hmm. throw those on. Yeah, I mean, those are a great investment. They I mean, are because you're talking about the how it's tough to do speed work on yeah. you know icy stuff. I mean, because it things change in a second. You're, you're oh, fine. Yes. You hit an icy patch and. You're, yeah, Definitely. Dim and I can attest, you're on your butt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, but I, I will tell Brooke's sister, we should start do, doing some wear testing in the snow. <laughs> wear testing in the Minnesota winter. Yeah. Maybe they'll make us our own personalized shoe. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Gabe. This has been really lovely. Thank you. Yeah, I, I echo that. Thank you very much for your, for your for time and your effort and thank all that. Thank you. <laughs> will you hang out for a couple pictures afterwards of course okay. yes awesome. i will yes awesome. i will be here so okay great so okay so um dim take us to the train like a mother club corner <laughs> and, and she will she will she'll record it yeah and <laughs> all right and um here you know we are what 90 minutes from eau claire wisconsin there are a few spots left for our retreat which is next may starts on dimity's birthday so, you know, come on, you get to, you know, celebrate her birthday in person. Um, yeah, it sold out. And then a couple people um, had some life things come up. One woman is going to go to uh, Lisbon with her husband on a golf trip. So I don't know why, but she chose that over our retreat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure, thank you. And, um, and then also, even before that is our Rancho La Puerta retreat, which there are a few spots left on that. And that is from February 2nd through 6th. And Dean Carnassus is going to be there. He's going to lead the ultra marathon man, you know, who ate pizza out on the back roads of California. And he is going to lead us on a run and give us a, a talk. And Ellie from the uh, Simply Nourish Like a Mother program is going to be there. And, and gosh, I'm just so excited. I love I mean, how it's Dean Carnassus and Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> well, you Dean, don't need that. I mean, they play Madonna be yeah. and yeah. a really pro runner. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, no, uh, uh, and Ellie Kempton, yes, is yes, her name. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we're going, I mean, they'll be running, obviously, but I mean, I'm just, oh, there's I'm lots of other opportunities the too. Yeah, I mean, there's Pilates, there's um, meditation, there's art classes, there's photography, there is, um, Oh, when you walk around in the circle. Meditation circle. Yeah, what are those called? Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. It's got little raised rocks in it, so you take your shoes off. So you really are... You really are where your feet are because you feel it every time you take a step. So oh. anyway, we would yeah. love to have you join that. And um, again, you guys, thanks for coming out here to the Twin Cities for being part of our ShakeOut Run, coming to our talk yesterday. Um, we really appreciate all the support and um, love that you give us. And uh, we'd like to give it right back to you tomorrow in the marathon. Yeah, mile t- mile 23.5. Yep. Many happy miles. <laughs>